0: Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right, Dave Furbeck, thank you for taking the time and being on the show with me here on the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. So, to talk to us a little bit, what about what does it mean to you to be intentional?
1: Um, it's a great question. And, and you know, when I, as I was thinking about that, what's it mean to be intentional? Um, I, I try not to go back and look for somebody else's definition. I try to think, okay, what does it mean to me? You know, what what is my definition, you know, for something like that? And for me, it, it's some kind of a level of personal commitment. Um, it's And that commitment can be to, it can be to a commitment to, Many things it could be to a course of action, a strategy, a way of thinking, you know or' even a set of values it's a commitment to someone or something that impacts how you see, how you act and how you impact the world around you, and that world can be your customers, it could be your your the team that works for you, it could be your uh, counterparts and your, your your peer level group, but it's some level of commitment. For how you're going to engage, and it's got to have relevancy. You know, it's got to it's got to actually impact what you do, what you say, and how you act. It can't just be something passive. It's it's got to really impact and, and drive behavior. So that that's to me that's to me is what intentional means to me.
0: I like it. I like it. And I love that that last piece you added about being relevant. Uh, do you have a litmus test or some way of determining what's relevant <laughs> to you and what's not?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, and and I, uh, boy, that, that, that is that is a really good question. For me, it's got to drive me forward to something. It, it it it's I I don't like to invest time or invest resources for the sake of investing resources. I want to be moving forward to a goal, to a purpose, to, to something. And that's one of the things I've spent a lot of time, especially in this this, this part of the, my career that I'm in now, is being very overt and dedicated towards what my business, what my team, what I'm trying to accomplish, being very overt with the especially the objective part of objective strategy tactic because I think if I do that, it's really easy for either my peers to say, hey, I'm on board, or no, I'm not on board, and here's why. I can support that. I can't support that. Or my team to look at it and say, hey, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm right behind you. Or, nope, I can't get on the bus, and here's why. And and that helps me a great deal.
0: I, it, it's so imperative, right? And I see a lot of yeah. leaders that we, that we work with through our various programs who struggle to be uh, – to to keep those boundaries, right? Around. And and so like when it's, if you you visualize a river, when the water's flowing through the channel between the banks, good deal. It's a useful river. (laughs) You can float barges up and down it. But once that water starts to get full and starts to slop over the edges and starts to get out of control, Right. All of a sudden, I mean, it becomes too dangerous. You can't run things up and down it. And so you have an ineffective use of that channel. And, you know, we look at a lot of people the same way. They don't have that filter or that sort of litmus test that says, Hey, this this gets to, you know, be a part of my game plan and this doesn't. So I think that's that's very intentional. I would like to see more people do that.
1: And I, I think one thing too, especially when you're earlier in your career. Uh, at least I know, you know, I was, and and maybe folks, you know, matured more quickly than I did. But you know, when when at times in my 30s or, or late 20s or even early 40s, there were times I would try on, okay, this well, this is what I think I'm supposed to do, or this is what I think, you know, we're we're supposed to do as, as a company, or, or this is, and I think this is how I'm supposed to do it. Rather, and maybe I'm you know, getting that from a leader, maybe that leader is a good leader. Maybe that leader is a bad leader. Maybe that leader is a good leader in a bad situation based on the culture of the company. Right. Um, but sometimes maybe it wasn't me. I think the big thing with being intentional is, is it intentional for you? Are you committed to it? Um, and are you in a place with a company and a culture that allows you to be that way. Uh, And if you're not, you got to go find the, go find the right place for you. But uh, um, uh, that's the good thing is you, as you get experience, you kind of find your place where you really need to be and you avoid the places you don't need to be. So Mm -hmm. that's a oversimplification.
0: Yeah. Well, we we get to help people that a lot, right? So we get into a, a, a coaching situation. One of the things we work a lot on is clarity. So being clear is a leading indicator to us of, uh, of long-term success, are they clear on what they're creating? Do they know? Could a could a salesperson actually describe to me their compensation plan? Can they yeah, describe absolutely. how they make money? Can they describe their process for how they get uh, go from zero to ten with a customer and customer not knowing who they are to doing business at a partnership level? Do they have a process? The unfortunate answer in most cases is no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I right? agree with that. I uh, agree with that completely. Yeah.
0: So, uh, but we can, from a leadership perspective, we can help people get more intentional. By helping them break down that process little by little, understand where are some of those boundaries, what is relevant, what's not relevant and in in our work in the in when we're running classrooms, we have a saying that we, in our culture that says it either pushes learning forward or it doesn't, right? It either pushes learning right. forward or it doesn't. So if it's not pushing learning forward, then it's just a distraction. We have to get rid of it. We' got to get it hard out. to eradicate those distractions from our classrooms. so. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: Talk to me a little bit about what you guys are doing over there in your business today to attract, retain talent. You know, this is the big conversation across the broad scope of the agriculture industry right now. Everybody's struggling to find people. So, what are what are you guys doing to to attract and retain over there? You don't have to give away any trade secrets, but we want to know what are what are some good intentional practices you guys have.
1: Well, oh, and, and I'm going to be a little bit authentic here, maybe maybe a touch vulnerable here. Um, you know, with I work for a privately held company, and it's a great company, a, a company I, I truly enjoy working for. Uh, it's it's a great place. If I would be critical of it in any way, shape, or form, I think traditionally with a privately held entrepreneurial type company, there is a a, a very strong emphasis in hiring for cultural fit. Hiring for, okay, and I, 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 I kind of over it, okay, do I like this person? Do I, okay, and if I like this person, okay, if I like them, I'm going to invest the time to train them and develop them into the kind of salesperson or operations person or, uh, 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 uh transportation person that I want them to be. Um, I'm taking a little different spin on that and 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 working with my team to do a little bit more we're We're moving from that entrepreneurial to more of a process. We're a bigger company now, a more successful company than what we need to be. and instead of hiring for fit first, i you know we're putting a stronger emphasis on skill set, hard skill set what are the what are the hard and soft skills and values? that a person needs to have to be successful in this company. And we we went through the uh uh the uh, uh one of the Downey courses uh, at Purdue back in May and really helped my team a great deal working through identifying those skills that they need, the hard skills and the soft skills and being very intentional about okay, as we're going through the interview process, not only does this person does do we get along with him? Do we like him or her? but does he or she have those hard skills and soft skills, and are there hidden skills that we need to be identifying? You've got a pretty good list of, of, of the hard skills, agron- uh, uh, agronomy, business skills, uh, uh, selling skills, even relationship development skills. But there are other things for a salesperson. What do we feel about their sense of drive? What do we feel about their sense of accountability? Um, those are things that are hidden that you probably better have an understanding of. We look for sales managers, not sales, uh, not just sales representatives. If you're looking for that, you've got to have management skills, accountability, and drive. Drive is a bit uh, 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 sort of an intuitive conversation. You can't, I, to me, I, I don't think you can – I can scare someone into being driven, but I can't necessarily teach it. Either they have it or they don't. Accountability can be taught, and and that is something that I I look for. Okay, do they have accountability and do they have drive? Because they're not the same thing. And am I willing to work with someone who has accountability but not drive or drive but not accountability, and can I work with that and manage that? So that is one of the things that we're looking – and so that's when it comes to recruiting talent – the other thing is, is and I, I, uh, in agriculture, there's a long history of, okay, who do you promote? Well, if my, I, I'll take my best salesperson and I'll promote them into a management role. Best salesman and sales, man, ma, sales management and sales are two different skill sets, right. and really working through being very overt with our salespeople to say, guys here's the skill sets that we're looking and we're evaluating, uh, evaluating you on, um, and, and really communicating to people not only so they can prepare themselves for the next role, but also so they can say, hey, if I want to be successful in sales here over the long run, here's the things that I need to be able to do. Here's the things that I need to be able to develop, and I need to hold Dave or, uh, my, or Dave's RSM, regional sales managers, accountable for helping me develop those skills. If I don't think someone's got the business skills that I think they need to have, then it's my job to help them improve. And and if I don't do that, I'm failing. So, and that's one of the things that, you know, we want to sit there and teach our our, our salespeople what they can hold us accountable for. Instead Mm -hmm. of Dave sitting there complaining at the business plan every year, well, you didn't look at this, you didn't look at that. I'd like for those guys to say, "Hey, I need to develop the skill set, Dave. What are you? How are you going to help me to develop this?" And that's that. That that is something very intentional that we're working through uh, um, um, over the course of the next year. So, did that answer your question, Mark?
0: Yeah, and there's a lot to unpack there, so we got to go back through some of this, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm thinking about somebody's driving down the road right now, listening to this recording, right? And you just said a lot of good, there's a lot of gold nuggets in what you just shared. So I want to make sure that we can um, put those into a package that people can uh, pack them up and take them home. So sure. uh, you know, the, the first thing you mentioned was you know looking at hard skills at the stage of the business that your business is at right now. So mm-hmm. from from that, I would start to deduce, I mean, are there different ways I would think about going about that given the life stage of my business as it, are there like as an example is there a, maybe a different business stage where it's i would say hey let's look for culture fit first because we want somebody that's going to be a part of our team and do whatever it takes versus hey we're looking to find that extra two to four or five percent growth this year we need somebody with the skill set to go get it is is that how you approach that i'm curious just what's the mindset on that
1: so uh um uh, that, that, that That's a really good question. Okay, I am sure that where you sit depends on where you stand on that whole conversation. I'm sure that, you know, a company that is in entrepreneurial mode that may be, okay, we've got to sink or swim. You know, we, got, we are in a race to get to that survival plateau as fast as we can. They're going to be in a different situation than, than someone else. But I will also say that, As you, uh, let's take an entrepreneurial or a a startup company, as that startup company progresses and it moves from, okay, whatever we can do to grow to suddenly, okay, we need to become more stable. We need to become a little bit more predictable for our customers, for our markets, for our people. That's going to change the people you need in that organization to some degree. Um, And I think there's a reason why entrepreneurs at some point say, okay, I've taken this business as far as I can go. It's time to turn this over to someone else. I think that is a natural sort of progression that, that a business will go through. So I hadn't really thought about it in that term. So as you say it, yeah, there is something there and how you, know, how you manage it. I, I think for me, I would look at it and say, okay, it would be a very strong critical thinking skill exercise to walk through and be very honest with yourself where is my company right now and where are we trying to get to? Um, um, mm-hmm. And I, I think hopefully someone is looking at saying, okay, I want, uh, we were at 3% growth for the last five years and I want 25% growth. Okay, you're going to have to make some changes. Um, mm-hmm. or, um, and I, I think that's just sort of that natural progression that a good critical thinker is going to have to look at their, at their business and, and, and work through that. I think someone who maybe, you know, is more emotional they maybe it's less about the critical thinking, they're just going to have a level of uncomfort. This doesn't feel right to me. And, and hopefully they're surrounding themselves with some good people that can give them some some advice and help them work through some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I answer I, your question I, there?
0: Well, yeah, I think every business leader and every business has to go through those uh, calculations and you, you you get the best advice you can. You listen to conversations like this and then make the best decision you can going forward. You know, culturally, you may have, and this is coming to another one of your points. You might have somebody who really fits in the culture, sells the heck out of it, right? Does a great job. Maybe they're an agronomy salesperson pushing 12, 13, 14 million dollars worth of inputs every year. Yeah. Great salesperson. And I've seen the mistake and you've seen it too time and time again. Hey, the next best way for that person to make more money because that's what they want to make next. like They want the next level of what's possible from a salary standpoint or, or an income standpoint. Let's put them in charge of 10 salespeople. And I yes. just like, I I mean, I get it because that's maybe you want that person to then infuse the other 10, but that person who's doing, who's operating at that level, in most cases, guys, is doing it unconsciously. They're just, there's some things they do that can't be taught and you, and you can evaluate that and look at what are the different skill sets and some of the things they do. And you try to teach those to other people, but there are some people who just shine and please, unless they really have a knack for being a sales manager and they meet not just like your culture, but your objective, like the objective needs of a good sales manager don't you're now you have to go get three more salespeople to cover for that one person to be a sales. You're,
1: exa- you're, <laughs> you're exactly right. And, and and the the one thing I would come back to it, and like most people, I start my, my career started with American cyan, like most people, like a lot of people. I started with American cyan in the early 90s. I was a and I did a great job of taking college kids, training and developing them and giving them a territory and, mm-hmm. and helping them go out and run. Um, and I was a good salesperson on my best day. I was a very good salesperson. I've had the ability and the privilege to manage some truly wonderful salespeople. And I was nowhere near their, their, their level on my best day. I was pretty good and I was effective and I grew my territory. I doubled two territories and yada, yada, yada. But I was never motivated by sales the way I've seen some of my best people be. I've had mm, salespeople yep. that, you know, would could sell a huge deal, you know, one day and the next day they'd be talking to a two hundred acre soybean grower and they'd call me up and say, Hey, you would never believe this sales call I went through and what I did here and what I and you could tell the energy that they got from this small soybean grower. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I, I was never that guy, and I never will be that. But from a sales management standpoint, I can be pretty damn effective. I am I am very effective. And those great salespeople probably aren't going to be really good sales because they think that everyone's going to be jazzed up by that sales process the same way they were, and that's just mm-hmm. not the way it works. Yep. So. Absolutely.
0: I'm a hundred percent right there with you. The same way in you know running, granted, we run a training and coaching business for yeah, agribusiness. Uh, in mm-hmm. the beginning, I just, you know, I thought I just want to be a trainer. I want to be the guy on the stage. I want to be the guy running the classroom. And, and sure. then I got to a point where I was doing that, you know, a hundred days a year. And, and you start to look around I'm like, man, somebody else should really be doing this too. <laughs> and also <laughs> yeah. I realized like my joy now comes from sitting in the back of the classroom, watching my team perform in front of the classroom. Which frees me up to go work on the sales systems and and build this business into what it gets to be over the next decade. Right. And that's great. Yeah. And that's so much more fun for me to watch. You know, every even uh, we've got a new sales guy on our team as of right now. He's new anyway. And uh, man, I mean, he has been putting more appointments on my calendar in the last two weeks than I probably have done by myself in the last six months. He just gets off on getting on LinkedIn, finding people we can talk to and getting them on a call. He yeah. is the best I've seen, and he loves it. Yeah. Okay. So we, we're, I'm incentivizing for that. Now I'm going to have to go find okay. another salesperson that can do what I can do because <laughs> I can't handle yeah, that right. call volume for very much longer. And, you know, isn't it cool like, when, when you when you have that ability to see the playing field just a little bit differently? Some people love the structure of the sales call and being out there in the field mm-hmm. doing that. And some people can just see the chessboard a little bit differently from a managerial perspective. And then you got some real chess players that are great CEOs, right? Or vice presidents Absolutely. of large company. I mean, there's this, I mean, the, the, the intentional leader is really okay in my mind about being who they are and being in that role and putting the right people because that, that I mean, Uh, one of the things we talk a lot about, by the way, is how do we, how do we let go of those things as a leader that I'm doing right now that I think only I can do?
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and, and and one of the things that, that, you know, I got to a place in my career when, when I, and, and I, I honestly believe this, you hear high school guidance counselors say this all the time. I do think that everyone everyone in the world has something that they are unique, special at. And whether it's big, whether it's little, there is something there. And I was probably in my 30s going through the MBA program when I really figured out, okay, here's what I'm good at. And I was at that point, that is is the point in my career when I finally said, okay, I figured it out. And I started to unlock better opportunities, and opportunities not just that – I was successful in, but things I enjoyed and things that I could go to place. And if you find something that you're good at and that you enjoy and, and places where you can utilize that, you're going to be successful. I mean, you can't help but be successful, but it's finding that right culture, that right place, that right role. And the quicker you quote unquote, know who you are, know what makes you special, the better off you're going to be. And hopefully you've got some good bosses or some good managers around there that help you figure that out and you don't get yourself locked up like I was in my twenties. Well, I think I want to be this guy. Well, you need to be, you need to worry about being Dave, not worried about being that product manager or that salesperson or that CEO. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a really good lesson there uh, that you're mm-hmm. for sure scratching the surface and a little bit more on uh, with your personal example. And that's, you know, a lot of us go into a role and I see maybe I'm a, a young salesperson on a Uh, in a company and I see the way that Dave's been doing it for 20, 30 years. And, and and I don't, a, I feel a lack of certainty because I don't know how to do that. How do you walk onto a farm or into a sales situation with that level of certainty? Like, I mean, you can't mimic that, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right? That's earned. That certainty is earned. Okay, so
1: unfortunately, unfortunately, through failure, by failing, you can figure out how to do it right.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and so you know, Dave was somebody who just stuck it out, right, <laughs> and and yeah, but right. earned it. Um, but but two, we try to copy, right? We try to copy, and and I try to do it how they do it. And there mm-hmm. are certain things, right? There's certain uh, if we're if we're just talking sales, and you know, you're in a sales leadership role, so we're talking a lot about that today yes sales process there are certain things about just good solid sales process and when you follow this process and ask these questions right in this order every time like you get a pretty consistent result okay, okay. that and that stuff can be measured and but then there's like there's you within that question right there's how you ask it that's different and that's what earns you business over your competition or maybe even over another person from the same company because just something about you and the way that you start to engage with that. So anyway, I, I want people to understand that I want more leaders to understand that like how do you help your people stop trying to copy something they can never be and 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 figure out how they get to how they get to
1: do that for them. You know so. one one thing and i i'll I'll just pair it on to this and and i i am a strong proponent of business planning uh, uh and i I you know to me that is that that's pretty core to what I do and how i manage um and you know within the business planning process you know with 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 my sales team I've got lots of different personalities and most salespeople don't want to do business planning. They find it confining. Some really like it and, and, and do it exceedingly well. But a lot of folks don't like to do it. We put a lot of and we at the company I've been at, I've been here six years, we've done this for six years now, and we've improved the process every time. We've really narrowed down the process to really distill it to its essence. And no matter what social style a person or, or business planning style that one of my salespeople has, there's about three or four ways that we make people document some things. And, and, you know, the folks have said, well, you know, you fill out this template that you gave me, Dave, and it's about 40, 40 different slides in a, in a PowerPoint deck, but you guys only really focus on about eight or 10 of these slides. And I say, yeah, because the other slides are homework. If you do those slides, if you work through it, there's about three different ways you can get to where I need you to get to. And if you do those slides, if you're this kind of person, you'll, you'll do it here. If you're a different kind of person, you'll do it here. If you're this other type of person, you'll do it from this direction. And it helps us get then down to what are the four or five things you've got to get done this year. That's really the majority where you're at, where you're going to, How are you going to get there? And what resources do you need? And it's those three to five things is really what we're looking for out of that business planning process. And we've kind of got it to a point now where it's redundant and it's easy. Guys just fill the stuff out. We'll help them get to where they need to get to. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that we, we put a lot of work into in my, in, in our business. So. Mm -hmm.
0: I, I I think it's so essential, right. That we, take time to actually go and work on the business for a minute. Mm-hmm. Even even if, even if it's a sales, I mean, you're maybe not in a leadership role, but you, you are leading within your customer base and within your 15, 20, Absolutely. 30 customers, however many that is, like you're still the the king and queen of that dominion. <laughs> Agreed. So, Agreed. you know, it, but uh, what, what, you know, let's be honest, a lot of people get just caught up in the doing of the day to day and they're always do, 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 and they're not, they're never, they're working in their business, but never on their business. Mm -hmm. Right. Or rarely, not as, not as much. So I applaud you guys for making an intentional effort to do more of that. That's, I'd like to see more folks do that and then do it well. I know a lot of people try, (laughs) right. They try, but they don't get the follow through on the, uh, uh, on, on the the salesperson's end. So.
1: And a lot of times it's, 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 you know, having some authentic conversations and, I don't know, failing forward, you're, you're, you're yeah. not going to bat a thousand percent or a hundred percent. So when you yeah. fail, improve it for the next time. So.
0: You betcha. Yeah, that's good. Evolve it. Okay. So uh, we're going to start heading towards the last few minutes here. I want to bring it in for a landing, do a bit of a speed round with you, Dave. So what's, uh, what's been a big hurdle that you've, that you've personally had to overcome as a leader? What's been one of the biggest hurdles?
1: Um. Okay. This is going to sound terrible, but bad leadership. Um, whether, uh, it, it depending upon where I've been in my career, what the company was, uh, just working through, especially earlier in my career, not, thankfully, not where I'm at now, um, uh, but it, other places in my career, working through bad leadership, uh, either uh, a, a division manager or a CEO giving conflicting direction, not knowing where I fit into the plan, not knowing Uh, you know, what I'm empowered to do, what risks I can take, you know, those are those are some of the biggest challenges that I've ever had to to work through, because you never know, are you on solid ground? So much of it becomes relationship and politics. And to be frank with you, I don't thrive in highly politically charged environments. I like objective truth much better than subjective truth. And so uh, um, and in a publicly traded company, you can get some of those weird things happening at times. I figured out how to manage it. I figured out how to live with it. Uh, live within it. But usually, the, the biggest challenge I've ever dealt with is markets go up and down, supply challenges, all that kind of crap. It, it sometimes it's hard work. But the leadership and lack of good leadership. You never know when that problem is going to end. You, you never know when that person who's creating that dysfunction. Okay, I see the dysfunction. Does the rest of the business? Am I just? Am I the odd man out? That's the thing you just never kind of know where you're sitting. That that's the thing that's probably kept me up more nights than anything else.
0: Yeah, sure thing. Great answer. What uh, what's been one of your biggest wins as a leader?
1: Um. I think every good sales manager loves putting up good results, whether it's revenue, whether it's profitability, whether it's, I, one thing I really love are things that are harder. I, we've landed some really big, what what I call marketing projects, which are complicated. They're hard, they're sticky. There's a lot of emotion to them, but you get through them and you land them and you, and you feel good and, and, and really managing some of these politically charged projects. Those, those are some really big wins. I, I like those. But the biggest thing is, is people. Um, you know, to when you finally develop your management skills to a point where, okay, I can have a conversation with a 25 year old or a 27 year old and help them become more than what they were, and you see that growth in a person. To mm-hmm. see a young woman mm-hmm. become a leader when she was maybe quiet and, re- and retiring. Uh, to see a uh, a salesman who didn't think he could be successful. Uh, become successful, maybe not from your efforts, but because you empowered someone else to work with them. Um, uh, that that that's big, and, and and seeing your people grow and develop is, is a big thing. I I'm getting better with it, but it's it's so much fun. And from a selfish standpoint, if you develop your team more effectively, you're going to be more successful. So mm-hmm. the, I I try to you know invest as much as I can in that team.
0: You bet. Yeah, that's great. What uh, what have you done? We talked a little bit about this off the off the call before we hit record today. Okay. What are you doing to keep your energy up? What are you doing to protect the body and and, uh, and take care of it at uh, your stage of the game?
1: Sure, uh, and that's a really good question. I, I you know I've gone through. You know, I'm fifty two, fifty three now, and you know you start getting a couple health challenges and things like that. My body is wired to be a night owl. I'd love to sit there and you know stay up till three in the morning. And and whether it's work or play or whatever, um, I can't do that anymore. Not and work at the same level with my team. Uh, I've had a couple of health shocks uh, or a health scare or two. Um, and so from my standpoint, it's being very intentional. I've got to have rest. I've got to have sleep and making sure I've got a plan for how I'm going to manage that, how I'm going to work through it. Uh, um, I I am a lot more dedicated of tracking my sleep, am I getting enough sleep, than I ever thought I would be maybe two or three years ago. The other thing, too, with that, I, I tend to be a pretty expressive person. Uh, I, I'm either a, an expressive introvert or an introverted expressive. I don't know what you, know, what you call it. <laughs> How I end my day, the people I end my day with, um, making sure if I'm going to have some hard conversations in the middle of the day, making sure I'm going to talk to some people over the weekend or at night that that that, that recharge and, and, and build some some personal satisfaction with me. and And so being really kind of intentional about who I who I surround myself with.
0: That's a really good pro tip right there. I mean, really, really being attentive to who you you surround yourself with. That's that's really important. My wife scared me into sleeping more, and I'm about ten years behind you. I'm forty two, uh, <laughs> and I'm kind of like I'm one of these. I just I trained myself over the years, right? You can go go hard all day, go to bed about eleven, get up at five five thirty, right? Tough it out, get yep. some coffee, get a workout in, whatever. You're fine, and you figure out how to get through the day. So that you know, whatever, six hours of sleep, and she said and whatever, she showed me the statistics, but she's like, did you know that any man who gets less than seven hours of sleep per night has the testosterone of a man 10 years older than him?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: And so then I say, well, shoot, I don't, I mean, and and no offense, Dave, but I'm like, I don't want any 52 year old testosterone running through my 42 year old body. Like, (laughs) so
1: I, 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 I hear you. Yeah. The other thing for me, you know, yeah. 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 From my standpoint, you know, I, I went through the summer, I had a, whole bunch of stuff a lot of a lot of personal life changes we were selling a house buying a house and i ran myself ragged and, and you know the insomnia uh was 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 dry because i was always sitting there thinking okay on this date i've got to have the house sold on this date i got to move and i mean hell i was going to you know sleep at 10 o'clock and waking up waking up at two in the morning just wide awake and couldn't go back to sleep Yep. And I had to go back through and be, you know, they talk about, you know, um, sanitizing your sleep schedule. Don't be on your iPad sitting there looking at, yep. I don't know, Facebook or whatever before you go to sleep. Don't be on your phone. Mm-hmm. You cut out the caffeine. Hell, I drink caffeine all the way up until 10 minutes before I went to bed. I don't do that anymore. Oh. Um, but, you know, well, it's, it's, it's. No just wonder it's, you it's, like it's, staying
0: up all night. You're, you're jacked up on caffeine most of the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I would be. I, I, that, that's exactly right. And you, you kind of figure stuff out. Says, Okay, dude, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, there's other stuff you can drink it, you know, you know, before you go to bed, you know, have decaffeinated iced tea instead of, instead of regular iced tea. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm let's just say I'm 52 years old, but I am growing. I, I am evolving as a person. So
0: you betcha. Well, good, good for you. And you know, like we were talking before, I think it's important for people as, from a leadership perspective our de- part of our definition of intentional leadership is understanding the the weight of how people see us do our mm-hmm. jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> uh, there's a coach of mine like ten years ago told me he's like, "Your kids are not going to do what you tell them to do; they're going to do what they see you most commonly do." Yep, right? They're not going to do what you tell them to do; they're going to do what they see you most commonly do. And so, I always keep that in mind as a parent. And yeah. then, but it also plays into leadership in the business setting, also. <laughs> sure. Because you're you're setting that's the bar, right. right? You're setting the bar yep. as a leader. <clears throat> so, okay. Uh, Last question. I think this will be a good one to end on. For for you, how important is vulnerability in creating an intentional work environment?
1: <laughs> um, to me, okay, uh, that's a great question. Um, vulnerability. Um. Vulnerability, just the term scares the crap out of me. And I, you know, I'm a Gen X guy, you know, I, okay, I'm not vulnerable. Okay, to me, whether you call it vulnerable or, or whatever, it, it, if you say vulnerable, that, that's a challenging term to me. If you say be authentic, to me that's less – it probably means about the same. But, but for me, uh, I, I, authenticity is, is critical, um, to 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 be able to share with someone, okay, here's the situation that I'm going through. Here's why your results don't aren't what we need to be. Uh, non-judgmental, but being authentic. If I sit there and I'm I'm working with a um, a salesperson or a sales manager, and I can be authentic with them to say okay, your results aren't where you need to be, and here's why. And not, it's not just Dave complaining, hey, I need more out of it. I need 20% more. But it's got to fit into something. It's got to fit into a narrative about the business um, uh, rather than just, hey, we, we, we've all, if you're always sitting there saying, hitting the more button, that's going to wear out after a while. If you can point that back to, we need this out of you or we need this change because here's what it means for us down the road, that authenticity, I think, is really, it's critically important to someone. I also, you know, have gone through, and I talked a little bit about some health issues. I sat with my team and I talked about, I, I at one point, you know, folks knew I was going through, you know, some health stuff. They didn't know what was going on. I sat down and I was really authentic. I said, guys, here's what I'm dealing with right now. And was that vulnerability or authenticity? I don't know. But I let them know what I was going through, what my, you know, where I was going to get through, and how I was going to get back to normal with it. And the people looked at me and said, hey, that feels really good. You trusted all of us enough to say, here's what you're going through. Here's the, the end to it. Um, you think you're in good shape. It, 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 it was a good conversation was I scared to have that conversation? Oh, you damn right. I, I was terrified to have that conversation because I, I don't like being considered, you know, considering myself weak or, or scared or anything like that, but it was the right conversation I had to have at that time with them. I'm glad I did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's really two answers in that, and both are fantastic. So yeah, we talk about the authenticity piece first, right? And, and so because that when we're talking about the, uh, hey, here's the, whatever, this is the state of the business. This is what we need out of you, or this is the stage of the business. And this is what we need out of you. Um, mm-hmm. And you here's how you're stacking up against that. That can be a, that's a very vulnerable conversation. Cause sometimes that's a tough conversation. I think we would right? how to, yeah. you know, there's courses, right. On how to have challenging conversations with people. <clears throat> right. And then, uh, but, but, but that is very, that, that, that creates a vulnerable environment for both you and them as, as the leader oh. and as the the person receiving the feedback, And then on the flip side, uh, we're talking about like, hey, I'm going through a rough time right now. And I, you know, you don't need to know all the details, but here's what I need you to know.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it. And and if you can have that conversation with them and they they realize that you can do that with them, it's probably going to go a long way for them having that same conversation with you. Because there's times when you'll have your best salespeople and they're just off and it happens with every good salesperson and you don't know what's going on do they need to share hey i've got a i'm 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 going through this medical condition or or this life change or something like that no they don't they it's not your business they don't have to share that with you but if they trust you enough and, and that they that they know that they can you're going to be in a lot better position to support them and, and to help them through what they need to, what they need to get through.
0: So I, I, I think that's, in, that's an intention really summed up from a yeah. leadership perspective. If you know, you got a 32 year old guy or gal on your team who's got three kids five and under at home. Well, yeah. I mean, what I'm asking of them might be just a little bit different or how I approach them, you know, cause what well, chances are they're not sleeping. <laughs> it's exactly chances right. are they're running right you get somebody who's in my age group and we got you know kids in high school chances are he or she is running you know you're closing it down at four or five o'clock and then you're running to volleyball practice and you're going here and going there and you got to do all the things right so we would understand when there's a little bit of extra stress you know on Absolutely. on their life and and so it's it's different at every stage and just good to know i think you know and, and be in conversation with uh, with people, Jim, it's just the chances are you got somebody on your team that's going through a divorce, probably several. Yeah, we're about to and, get there, right? And that's just statistically true. I'm not making it right or wrong. It's just statistically, you got that, and that person's probably going to struggle for a bit because if they're if that if that stuff's falling apart at home, you know that that's on their mind all day while they're working, and they're just physically and mentally and emotionally more tired.
1: Absolutely, you and cannot he, separate he, that. You think about, you know, we, we I think in, in, in agriculture we do a good job hiring veterans. I, I think traditionally I think agriculture is a place that really does a good job hiring veterans. Sometimes, you know, folks like that have challenges, have, you know, especially if they're a combat veteran, they, they may have challenges with, you know, dealing with some of those things. If you got that type of, of vulnerability, whether it's that or whether it's someone going through a life change, that they can have some kind of a conversation. Just like I sat there and said to you, I don't like the term vulnerable, but I, I will be authentic with you. Okay, however you want to skin that cat, I'm basically saying the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. If you get, if you get, if you're that type of leader and say, Hey, Dave, this is what I'm going through. Great. Thank you. How can we manage through that instead of another thing that you have to manage on your back? If they're a good person, if they're the right person, you want to help them through, you know, that challenge that, you're, that they're going through. Still got to have the same level of accountability, but how you how, how you do that, there, there, there's flexibility, and we're all trying to be better. And by the time we get it all figured out, well, hell, our career will be done, we'll be retired, and we'll be on to the next thing. So,
0: yeah. Sounds good. Well, Dave, I appreciate the time. Thanks, uh, thanks for being on here and uh, sharing your your insights and wisdom. Very cool to really get into a conversation around. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, but it kind of all centered on the common thread of sales leadership and sales management, and how do you um, how do you be intentional with that? So, thanks for your time.
1: Enjoyed it a great deal. Thanks, Mark.
0: I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you wanna go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if, if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode,
1: share the podcast and make sure that you subscribe.